Hello and welcome to Hurry, the movie is starting the podcast. I'm Richard. And I'm Ashley. And today we're going to be talking Driveaway Dolls. So Driveaway Dolls is directed by Ethan Cohen, who is only half of the Cohen brothers. He usually is uh, directing films with the help of his brother Joel Cohen, but this is his first film without his brother. So this is a Cohen brother movie, not a Cohen brothers movie. Fun fact. The film follows Jamie, played by Margaret Qualley, who is more of a free-spirited individual and is currently going up through a breakup with her girlfriend. Also tagging along is her best friend, Miriam, played by Geraldine Biswanathan, who is more <laughs> uptight and conservative. So you have this free-spirited woman and this conservative that are kind of not really clashing, but kind of getting to know each other along the way. In search of a fresh start, the two embark on an impromptu road trip to Tallahassee with the use of a driveaway car. If you don't know what a driveaway car is, it is a car that you can drive to a single destination and they're expecting it at this time and they're taking it across the country to this location in Tallahassee. Naturally, as movies go, they don't make it on time and then chaos ensues from what is hidden in the back of that car. As they are taking this driveway car to Tallahassee, they are unknowing that there is something important in the back trunk of their car. So the group of goons led by Coleman Domingo consists of Joey Slotnick and CJ Wilson, which I haven't seen them in many things before, uh, CJ Wilson and Joey Slotnick, but they, uh, their banter in this movie was probably my favorite in this movie. So let's jump into the spoiler-free review. Ash, what did you think about the movie? I thought, I thought it was a really good movie when we saw the trailer. I wanted to know what was in, why are they being chased? What have, What is in their trunk that is so important? And from there, the story and the movie just get weirder and crazier. Um, the two goons who are played by Joey and CJ, their names are Arliss and Flint. Arliss is more of a, I just want to work through my anger and not beat people up and not fight people or kill people. While his partner, Flint, played by CJ, just wants to hurt everybody. So we get that good feel of the goons. Um, a lot. I just feel like the Coen brother did a really good job showing intellectual opposites. Like you have the two best friends, one's free-spirited, one's very very conservative just like the goons one is anger filled and one just doesn't want anger so i feel like the cohen brothers did a good job with showing how different people can be sometimes okay and what would you like from zero being i would i hope that movie gets deleted off the history of the earth and 100 being i can watch this movie every day what are you giving it i'm giving it an 80 percent because some parts of the movie were very very relatable okay to the here and now so that Ash is giving this a B, 80%. I went in with lower expectations. I love Coen Brother movies, but I know that some of them are kind of a little hit or miss for me. This one, there was a couple hits in the movie that made me laugh, especially the goons back and forth. That was my favorite part of the movie. Their banter back and forth was just like a, uh, a pot that started boiling and you knew that it was going to eventually reach a other than that, it was a little slow for me. There was a couple of like transitions in the beginning that I was like, what the like what the heck is this? Like this is so random. This doesn't make any sense. But after you understand what's going on, it makes a lot more sense and it comes full circle. So and that brought it up a little bit, my rating for me. 
Um, overall, this one's going to be a 68 for me, uh, like a D plus. There was bits and pieces that I liked, but overall, the story, I just kind of was, it was a little all over the place. And some scenes just seemed like way too cartoony. But then again, that's what we've seen in Coen Brother movies before. That's just my complaint. Uh, it's really hard to review this without spoilers. So if you're listening to this still and you want to go watch this movie, it's kind of hard to explain without the use of spoilers. So if you want to go watch this movie, I'm warning you now, we are going to spoil this movie. So leave, pause the podcast, go watch it. You can come back if you want. But spoilers in three, two, one. All right, so I don't know if you've ever heard of Cynthia Plastercaster, who was a real person back in the day that would make <laughs> plaster replicas of rock stars' penises. I'm just telling you that because that is essentially the whole premise of this movie. They, in the beginning, we see Pedro Pascal, who is also in this movie briefly running around with this briefcase. So you, th- you assume it's something really good inside this briefcase because he gets killed. And it's in like a very gruesome, cartoony, zany, like comedic way. But he doesn't last within the first 10 minutes of the movie. So we, we now understand the severity of this case that people are willing to de-head Pedro Pascal to get it. And throughout the movie, you're kind of wondering like, what is going on with this case? What is going on with this case? Okay. And it kind of takes a back seat. <laughs> or a trunk seat, I should say, to Geraldine and Margaret, their, like, kind of friendship that they're trying to both just go on a road trip and kind of clear their heads, find themselves. We've seen these kind of road trip movies before. Mm -hmm. This one just has, like, the more, I guess, the more aspect of each character is, like, a lesbian, so they're kind of, like, exploring exploring their own sexuality in ways they know how. There is also a scene where um, Geraldine is kind of put on the spot to go potentially find a lover and that's not really her style whereas margaret Qualley's character is kind of like oh let me see what i like tonight i like her i'm gonna have her tonight so they're both kind of not really clashing because it's good communication between the two and margaret eventually takes the time to actually understand who geraldine's character is and gets to like treat her the way that she wants to be treated and then in that way kind of opens up geraldine's character a little bit more so that was pretty solid development this film also features Matt Damon, who plays a small part in the end of the movie. You hear him on the phone like a couple times talking to the goons, but you don't really know who it is until like the end of the movie. You actually see a face to it. You're expecting this like sort of mob boss that can just like snap his fingers and you're like you're dead. But then we see it's Matt Damon. And you're like, oh, it's just Matt Damon. But that's just that's just a random tidbit for me. Ash, spoiler review. What 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 worked for you in this movie and what didn't work? Well, I think that once we finally figure out that it was Matt Damon the whole time, who once was in the case, the whole movie goes on until we finally see what's in the case, and it's just plastered penises. But the importance of the case is that Matt Damon, in order for him not to have any negativity on his campaign, you know, he was a teenager when this plaster of his genitalia was made by... You know, the person who played Plaster Caster was Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus. So, essentially, Miley Cyrus in the 70s plastered him, and he didn't want that coming out. And then you see him angry as heck 
when they do show that he's the one behind all this, but then you see him at his more sensitive side saying, none of us deserved what happened to us. None of us deserve to have these, like, you know, penises in this suitcase. And I'm going to go and I'm going to give all these penises back to who they belong to. So that was kind of like, hit. what hit and miss for me was, this whole movie happened because what's in the case? And you were thinking it's drugs or money or something of importance. They're penises. Yeah, and there's like... Did Pedro Pascal really have to die over a plastered penis? I don't think he had to die. But I get the importance. Or do we? Yeah, and essentially that is the plot of the movie. Once you understand that Matt Damon... And I will say he did a great job of he like did. portraying the importance of this case to him. We're over here thinking, like, what? Like, this guy is literally about to try and, like, kill people because someone made a replica of his penis. And he's, <laughs> yeah. so, he's so incredibly worried about it because he's, he wants to be senator, state senator of Florida, which... <laughs> and he potentially wants to be president. So he wants this part of his past deleted because he cares so much about what people think or he doesn't want the negative press about, oh, I have a penis out right. there. Which, to me, is absolutely insane. It's, it's, so, it's so bad. Yeah, the fact that you're willing to, like, kill people just, like, to get your plastic replica penis, like, out of the... It's not plastic. Plastered replica penis out of the world is just... And what's sad is, like, sometimes the world is really like that. You have yeah. people, like, dying because of someone cut them off in, in traffic. It's, yeah. like, it, it blows my mind, and it seems, like, comedic and, like, unrealistic... But in this world, the people are really killed for the smallest of things. There are some underlying layers of political or politics. Like when they, when the two girls meet up with Matt Damon to give him this case for a million dollars, he's like, who the hell are you guys? They say we're Democrats. I didn't agree with that because not all lesbians are Democrats. So I'm just like, whoa, pump the brakes on that one. This movie is rated R, so I don't suggest bringing any kind of children to this film. There are scenes in which, you know, there are very strong lesbian lovemaking overtures, so I suggest you don't bring children to this film. It is, It does have comedy, a little bit of drama, a little bit of action, so I feel like it was an 80 for me because there was something in it for everyone. Yeah, and, like, speaking about the random transitions in the beginning, there's, like, these groovy, psychedelic, like, 70s transitions, and the movie takes place, I believe, in the 90s. So, like, these transitions in the beginning are very, like, to me, they feel very out of place and cartoony and zany. It's, like, like some, there's one transition where the screen just, whoa, 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 and it's, like, what the heck are we in, like, are we on Boomerang on Cartoon Network? It, it just seemed, like, kind of odd for me, so that was my only, like, complaint. But then towards the end, once you know that, it was, like, Cynthia Plastercaster that he's trying to get his plastered penis back you kind of understand okay these like these transitions were setting up us up to kind of understand more of like what yeah they happened. to me the transitions then became i didn't start to realize that these transitions that didn't make sense to us were actually flashbacks of matt damon being plastered and how it all started the first transition was they were at a party second transition is miley's on top of a young teenage matt damon the third transitional you know weird psychedelic effect was him actually getting plastered and her letting just her him letting her do it so that's what those like those trends weird transitions start you start realizing they weren't just transitions they were actually like jump back to the 70s they're kind of memory lapses for them 
Yeah, and it, it is not all completely about <laughs> plastered penises, but for being like a movie about like two lesbians going on a re- road trip, kind of like discovering themselves along the way, penis is a theme that comes out comes to me throughout the movie, and it's just it's an interesting um, interesting to see. But it was a sixty eight for me. It was just it wasn't really. Like, I enjoyed bits and pieces. I love the goons, uh, C.J. Wilson and Joey Slotnick. Their banter back and forth, hilarious. Joey Slotnick is more of, like, a people person. Like, he's willing to, hey, let me understand you, rather than go in, like, hey, give me this, I'm going to shoot you. Whereas his other partner, played by uh, C.J. Wilson, is, I'm going to break down the door, shoot you first, and then ask questions later. So they're constantly getting in this battle, and there's... a you start to think like, okay, this Joey Slotnick guy is right because he starts to, it seems like he's kind of getting ahead, but then he is taken advantage of and he, his like anger boils over towards CJ. And the climax that we kind of assume in most Cohen movies is something crazy is going to happen. They're not just going to end like friends. And wouldn't we know it, CJ Wilson's character kills Joey Slotnick and Domingo. Which is sad because I really related to... Arliss, which was played by Joey, like I really related to him, and to see him die at the end, I'm like, and that just to me shows like nice guys don't always finish first; they sometimes get killed for being too nice. And I'm just like, again, the overtures that mixed in like today's society in the movie. Although the movie was great, I was left, I left the theaters asking more questions than I had answers. To be honest. That's why it was a B for me, because I had more questions than answers. Yeah, and, like, the movie, like, it answers the question of, like, uh, Geraldine and Margaret Qualley's characters. Right. Margaret's being more opened up by, I mean, sorry, Geraldine is being more opened up by Margaret's character, and it kind of just seems like they're on their way towards a path forward. But after C.J. Wilson kills the, car, uh, the his boss and Joey Slotnick, he kind of just disappears, and you never hear about that again. There's bits and pieces that seem kind of, like, rushed and kind of just... What like what was going on here? What was going on here? Like I don't understand. So that was my only gripe about the movie. I give it a sixty-eight. I I'd watch it maybe once or twice more. But once you find out what's inside the case and you start to understand the foreshadowing in the beginning of the movie, it kind of gives away that like surprise package factor for me. So I think this is what movie you can watch maybe a couple times and it'll, it'll just be something you forget down the road. I also think that this would be also a good movie for maybe a date night or if you need to pick me up and just need to laugh, definitely go see this film. But definitely go see this film if you like briefcases full of phallic objects. Yeah, and I will I will say like it there were like there was one transition where it had like the um the Democrat and Republican logos on it and that de- Democrat like what who are you guys? Democrats? That line was so stupid. I just I was like there was no need for that. Why would you say that? So I don't think it's like super political as like i i would say like thin underline yeah there's definitely like an undertone of political nature but not all lesbians are democrats just saying you know everybody's different thanks for listening to the podcast with that being said we hope you enjoyed our podcast our review of drive away dolls we certainly enjoyed watching it we certainly enjoyed making this podcast for you guys and as always these are only our opinions if you don't agree with us that's okay Go watch the movie and let us know what you think down below. Hurry, the movie is starting. Richard. And Ashley. Thanks for listening.